A very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Sunday Synthesis Podcast on Monday. It is the 20th of December 2021. It is the holiday edition. Joining me, not in studio, is Dr. Anton Marburg. He is as jolly as Santa Claus, but maybe a little younger. Dr. Anton Marburg, good morning. How's your holiday going? It looks very tropical. Are you in Hawaii? <laughs> Must I say ho, ho, ho? You can. You can. I don't know about the, the Santa Claus uh, thing, but I think you look much more like Santa Claus than I do. I'm just saying ho, ho, ho. Anyway, oh, really? okay. Is, so, is that because I'm so we're generous? On holiday. Um, yes, very generous. Okay, we're on a holiday. Okay, and thank mm-hmm. God for that. Very different time to what it was this time last year. Uh, we were about to go into some ridiculous lockdown where beaches were closed and things were different. But thank God, things are very different at this point in time. Currently, there are 274 million cases worldwide with 5.3 million deaths and 246 million cases recovered. The United States has 51 million cases with 827,000 deaths. India, 34 million cases. Brazil, 22 million cases. United Kingdom has 82,000 cases testing positive daily. South Africa has 3,308,076 cases with 90,348 deaths and 15,465 new cases yesterday, a 30.7% test positivity rate. There currently are 3,285 positive patients in Gauteng in hospital with 276 in ICU and 96 currently ventilated. And we have a 38% vaccine rate of people over the age of 18. All right. So it's very confusing because in South Africa, we seem to be going in one direction, uh, countries around the world going in another direction. it's, It's just totally, totally all over the place. Yeah. So it could be confusing, but I think there's a few things that we've got to understand here. And one of the most important things in my mind is that we're in the Southern Hemisphere, they're in the Northern Hemisphere. So we're in summer, okay? okay? We're outdoors. We're on the beaches. We're out of our offices. We're in parks. We're, we're in places where we don't have to cohabit together. Overseas, everyone's inside. The next thing is there's all the mad people overseas who've got something against mask mandates. Don't want to wear masks. Don't care about social distancing. So people aren't following the rules. It's a very different setup there. And there's a lot of anti-vaxxers overseas as well. So despite the fact that people are vaccinated, there's a large proportion of people that are anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, and against the whole thing. So this just proves the point that you need to be vaccinated. You need to wear masks. You need to social distance. These things work. Another important factor that we've got to deal with in South Africa is that we know that about, according to data from different companies, about 70% of the population has currently got some sort of immunity against COVID. And although it may not be antibody immunity, it's thought to be T-cell immunity or other types of immunity that prevent you from getting so sick from this infection. Okay, so let's just uh, let's just break this down a little bit. How are the hospitals looking here in South Africa? So we're definitely in a much better position than we were this time last year. And, and we've been in any position of any of our waves up till now. You know, currently in my hospital, we've got 15 positive patients in hospital, of which five are in ICU. And that's a, a completely different picture to what we've seen before. And a lot of the cases are incidental cases. In other words, they came in for surgery and they now tested positive or they came in for something and were found to be positive. And that's why we're seeing that the amount of time spent in hospital is shorter 
than during other waves. They say the mean or the average is about three and a half days spent in hospital versus eight days spent in hospital in the third wave and the second wave. And is there a difference between people who have been vaccinated and not vaccinated in terms of hospital? So there definitely is. Okay, well, we know that people who are vaccinated are getting reinfected, but not landing up in hospital so severely ill. The vaccination definitely prevents against severe or hospitalization. Okay, so that is very positive. In terms of Omicron, we're now a few weeks into it. When we last spoke, it was still very, very new in terms of what we were seeing. The spread was frightening. The numbers were going up at, at, in a dramatic sense. What, are, what have you learned thus far into the, the fourth wave? Okay, so we, we've learned quite a few things. First of all, we know that the Omicron is now estimated to account for over 90% of the new infections in South Africa. It's a more transmissible variant than the other variants. The severity, however, at this point is deemed to be less. The less hospital admissions, the less ICU admissions. In other words, it tells us that vaccination is working. There's an increased risk of reinfection, however, with Omicron. So people who had the Delta variant in the third wave there's a 40% chance of them being reinfected. And people who had the beta variant in the second wave, there's a 60% chance of them being reinfected. And we know that two doses of the Pfizer does provide significant protection against hospitalization in patients with Omicron. Okay. And basically, that vaccinated people have a 33% protection against infection related to unvaccinated people but a 70% protection against landing up in hospital. And that's a very important point. So there's a lot of people that are saying, well, you know, do these, do these things actually work? You know, what's the point of having the vaccine? The vaccine protects you against severe or severity, hospitalization, landing up, going on a ventilator, things like that. Okay, so, and in terms of 40%, you're saying 40% chance of reinfection, that's not, are you saying that somebody that has had the Delta is more susceptible? No, so what I'm saying is you definitely can get reinfected despite having had okay. the Delta, despite having had all these right. other so we would have thought... so Just because you've had the one variant right. doesn't mean you aren't going to get reinfected. There's different mutations. There's what we call S-gene escape. There's all these types of big words that are being touted out to the public. The essence of the whole thing is you can get reinfected. There's no doubt about it. But what we are seeing is the reinfections, especially here in South Africa, are mild at this, point in, uh, at this point in time, and we're not seeing a severe burden on the hospitals right now. I can't, I can't say to you that in five weeks' time, things will, will be completely different. If we look overseas, I mean, some countries are talking about going into the fifth wave. We're in our fourth wave. You know, we don't know yet, but all I can say to you is vaccination works. Okay, let's try and understand this as well, because there's been a lot of, and I, I read a recommendation by the MAC in terms of quarantine. I don't know if that's been brought into law yet. Uh, I don't know if it's just a rumor. What is the current status in terms of quarantine and isolation? And what is this, this recommendation by the MAC? So the current status hasn't changed as of yet. The current status is you still have 10 days of isolation or 10 days of quarantine regardless. There's no law that's been brought in yet, but the MAC have advised the Department of Health that they believe they should change the quarantine laws. In other words, they should scrap quarantine because, first of all, 
the amount of people that actually do quarantine is minimal. The amount of tests that are positive or taken sort of in a weird and wonderful way that the tests don't deem positive results and are done sort of quickly push the swab in the nose, don't take a proper sample, get a lot of false negative tests. We've got a lot of asymptomatic people walking around with the disease. The whole point of the letter that the MAC have put out to, to the Department of Health, in other words, is quarantining is not working. We can't do contact tracing in this country. It's not viable. We can't shut down every single institution due to the fact that somebody's been in contact. If you wear your masks, you get your vaccines, you're in a higher position to not be as infected or to transmit the virus to other people, and you are far safer. Quarantine needs to be put aside, and we need to still carry on with our other sort of non-pharmaceutical interventions, wearing masks and social distancing, and promote vaccination for people. So in other words, if I come across a person who is COVID positive in the past and anywhere, well, I can't talk about other parts around the world, but in the past, we, I would have had to go into quarantine for a week or however long that was. Oh, now 10 days, 10 days. 10 yeah. days. No, now so now, just, I think just, just to correct you, this hasn't been made a law yet. Yes, it hasn't okay. been passed yet. It's a suggestion, which I think is a very good suggestion. So in other words, if you were previously in contact with somebody who is positive, you're a direct contact, you need to go into quarantine. What they're hoping to change is we're going to get rid of the quarantine. Mm. And as we've said many times before, we're, essentially COVID is going to become an endemic disease, very much like TB. The same way we treat patients with TB in hospital, put on an N95 mask, when we go into the room, we treat them, we wash our hands, we spray afterwards, and that's that. And that's how this disease is going to evolve over time. Yes, there might be different variants, there might be different mutations, but hopefully now with our different immune systems causing different types of T-cell immunities and other types of antibody responses, and with all the uphops of the vaccines and the boosters, this will help us go back into living a somewhat normal life and getting rid of these, these quarantines. In fact, they're also talking down the line about bringing down the isolation period from five to seven days, which will also change things dramatically. Wow. Is this, is this, in your view, a step towards, a closer step towards this becoming an endemic disease rather yes. than a... Definitely. Especially, as I say, with worldwide vaccination, with them mm. ramping up, with even our own bodies like SARPRA giving the go-ahead for boosters, that type of thing, these things are going to become endemic. It's just a matter of time. And when, as I say, look at us one year back from today. Absolutely. Where were we? You know, we were in a quandary. We didn't know what was going on. There was no vaccines yet. They hadn't been boosted out yet. They were talking about starting them in Israel and giving the, the Pfizer's to everybody. Now we're in a very different situation. 38% of our population have been vaccinated of the adults over the age of 18. Obviously, we want a much higher rate and we want people far more protected, but it gives us a chance then to be back to normality. And in fact, so one of the most memorable podcasts that we had was last year, this time sitting on the beach. It was the last beach day before they closed the beaches irrationally. And we were talking yeah. about this, but, but the reality was that we had headed into this new wave. It was the second wave. There were no, as you said, there were no vaccines at this point. It was a very scary time. The, the atmosphere now seems to be very different in that there's a certain confidence around the decisions and in fact, courage, I think, around the way South Africa is treating this. What, what do you think? 
Look, we all know that South Africa has been given a very raw deal over the last few weeks with this Omicron variant, with the fact that we've been put on red lists and been shut down due to the fact that we've got some of the best scientists in the world who actually picked up this variant. It doesn't work. None of these things work with closing down airports and closing down travel. You know, we've got to take the step forward and realize that this is something we don't have to live with. Doesn't mean though that you have to be stupid and not wear your masks and not do the the salient things that can help us prevent the spread, but we've got to get back to some normality. If you look at some of the hospitals, a lot of the units are closed because their staff were in contact with people who they didn't know were positive and they've got to ask for 10 days, now bringing down or getting rid of the quarantine and making sure these people wear proper PPE or proper masks, that type of thing, will help prevent the spread. Right, we so learn. I think I think it's a just important thing to say is that yeah. we've always said this virus is far cleverer than us, and every time we think we know something, we learn something new. And that's going to be an ongoing cycle with this virus. Well, that was going to be my question, is we, we, we seem to be moving into this next phase, certainly here in South Africa, where we have the courage to do that. Is there a chance it'll still go back to something ugly? There's a chance. I mean, they, they have, I can't. I can't say without a, de- a definitive answer saying that they're not. There's not a chance. There's a chance. And the problem is not going to be the vaccinated people. It's the unvaccinated people. And that's what we're seeing worldwide. Is the unvaccinated people are the ones who are landing up in the ICUs. The ones who have got severe disease. That's our biggest issue. Is that if you're unvaccinated, you don't have immunity. You're going to be the one driving this endemic, pandemic, etc driving the hospitalizations, driving the need for, for havoc and panic. And that's why vaccination is so important. What's interesting is in the United States, particularly the vaccine issues become a political one. Uh, the Democrats on the one side of it, Republicans on the other, it's really become a very divisive and political issue. Have we seen that here in South Africa at all? Look, you, you do get a few of the political parties who are against, for instance, vaccination of young children, mm-hmm. um, saying it's a, a religious reasons why they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be forced into it. But essentially, the country is behind vaccination, whether it's the major political parties, the market, was the majority of political parties are definitely for vaccination and for vaccinating the people and pushing ahead and going ahead. And our current government is definitely pro-vaccination. Can we just uh, talk for a moment about where we are in the, with regard to the fourth wave? Has Gauteng peaked? So according to all the models, Gauteng has peaked and they start on a downward trend. But I think it's also very important to note that half of Gauteng are in KwaZulu-Natal, Western Cape <laughs> and Eastern Cape. So, I mean, that definitely does play a role right. in, in thinking. And also, right. the number of testing goes down when people go, when people are away, they're not going to be testing in the Western Cape, Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, as much as they would have if they were at home in Gauteng. But we're mm. definitely seeing, even though numbers are peaking in KwaZulu-Natal and in Western Cape, they aren't as high as they were or could have been. Um, and we're definitely seeing a downward trend in the fourth wave. If you remember, you know, I think we've now reached a peak four weeks after the beginning of the Omicron variant in, in Gauteng, where it took eight weeks in the previous two phases. So there's definitely a shift in the way things are turning out at the moment. Right. Let's just talk vaccines for a moment. The, the latest studies in terms of which vaccine is effective with regard to Omicron, J&J, Pfizer, a mix. Okay. So yeah, I think this is 
an important thing to understand. And, and before we discuss it, I think we've got to say one thing. Whether you've had a Moderna, whether you've had a Pfizer, whether you've had a J&J, each and every single one of them confers some type of immunity and some benefits towards you against all the variants, including Omicron. That being said, a study came out the other day saying the J&J is not effective against reinfection with the, the Omicron, but we do know that it doesn't account for your T-cell immunity and other types of immunity, and only speaking about your antibodies. Mm-hmm. So we still do believe that the J&J confers an immunity against severity or hospitalization. The Pfizer is thought to be better at this point. The CDC have actually said that they regard the Pfizer as better than the J&J for a booster. So if you've had a J&J in America, they're advising you to have either a Pfizer or a Moderna, an mRNA vaccine rather than another J&J. But if you've had a J&J, you are still conferred with immunity against the Omicron, as I say, towards severity of disease. Right. The in South Africa, my, my what, personal my personal yeah. belief has always been that we should be mixing and matching. I've always said that those who had a J and J should get a Pfizer if possible afterwards. But at this point, you can't get it. It's at this not, point, you can't. Right. But now that the Sasanke trial is finished, which finished on the seventeenth of December, we are waiting for Safra, who are are really looking at the mixing and matching to give the go ahead. They are going to be giving the go ahead in the next um, short period with regards to getting a J&J for people who weren't on the Sankey trial who did get a J&J. And the booster for people who got their second Pfizer will now take place, basically they're saying around the 28th of December, that will be when the first person is um, allowed to get their third booster for their, their Pfizer's. Ideally, if you've had two Pfizer's, how long should you wait for your booster? So if you're not immune compromised and if you don't have a reason to, to say that you should be getting it quickly, the government and SAPRA have advised six months after the second one. Right. Is that if a, you're immune compromised, yeah. like stem cell transplant, renal transplant, um, any of dialysis, any of the you know, chemotherapies, um, no spleen, etc., then it should wait about two months. And your view on that is six months, you know, aside from what government is regulating. What, what... I think six months is reasonable. Yes, I do. I do think six months is reasonable. You develop a much higher antibody result in your body where you can actually evade and fight the infection better. Right. And people that have had the two Johnsons, you would say also six months until a, a, a Pfizer or at this point don't do anything. At this point, there's no advocation to do anything after you've had a second Johnson & Johnson. There's no data to say two Johnson & Johnsons and a Pfizer. The only data is to have either Johnson Johnson and another Johnson or Johnson & Johnson and another Pfizer six months later or two to six months later. A lot of the companies are actually saying that after the Johnson Johnson, you should have a Pfizer two months later, not six months later. Oh, okay. But that's not government policy yet. Yes, yes, yes. No, I know we have to keep distinguishing which is which, is which, which yeah. you think medically and, and yeah. what government has decided. Yeah. Uh, quite a few people writing in from Cape Town, Limor saying, I'm in Cape Town, everybody's jolling, restaurants are full, the only place that requires a mask are the shops. Are we back to normal now? So we're not back to normal, but we have a lot more normal than we were. And we should be able to do a lot of things outside with social distancing. So you should be able to eat outside a restaurant. I still wouldn't eat inside at a restaurant, but to eat outside a restaurant with social distancing really should be a thing that we should be able to do at this point in time.
Mm, mm. Um, Dave says, I've had the double jab, been double jabbed with Pfizer. I recently had COVID. Is it recommended that I can have the booster and how soon after I was tested positive? I'm over 70 years old. Dave, Look, I would still wait for six months. I would wait six months. You over right. 70, Dave's over 70, you know, everyone's over 70. But I would wait, I would wait the six yeah. months. There's no there's no doubt about it. Unless unless Dave's highly immune compromised, as I said, one of those people that have got a real need to have a vaccine much or booster much sooner. Mm. Andy says, how long does immunity last after the Pfizer booster, the third vaccine? And is it still 14 days until full protection after the booster? That was an interesting question in terms of when you get your booster, how long it takes to be fully protected. So there's not enough studies out, but there is a non-peer-reviewed study that came out from Israel that said within seven days after the booster, you're already seeing a major dramatic response with regards to your immunity. But it still needs to be verified and, and peer-reviewed. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of talk about what's going on in the Netherlands, in Israel, uh, in the UK. Countries floundering, really, and trying to figure out how to deal, deal with this. In, in passing a little bit earlier, you mentioned uh, you, you were slightly critical of it compared to how South Africa's uh, treating this. Give us your thoughts on how countries around the world are handling this. So, so as you know, the Netherlands have gone into lockdown now, again, mm. okay? And they've got a over 85% vaccination rate in there, over 18-year-olds, yet they've gone in, into lockdown. I think they've gone mad. I think the world has gone mad at this point in time. I mean, you know, how do you lock down a country that is vaccinated? One of the only reasons we can think of why they've locked down now is that they started vaccinating the elderly too late. So they may be vaccinated now, but they came to the party way down the line. But I, I don't feel there's a reason to do forced country lockdowns anymore. You know, we've learned, we've seen what it does to countries, we've seen what it does to people, we've seen what from a psychological, emotional, economical, physical, all the all the negative effects from lockdowns. And yes, they work for a week or two, but essentially they don't work. And you'd say the same thing in terms of Israel putting every second country on the on, on the red list. Then I think Israel has gone back into the Red Sea. I don't know what they're doing. No one, no one can understand why Israel is putting every single country onto the red list. I mean, the Omicron is here. It's going to spread regardless of the fact if you close down an airport or you stop people from traveling. It's there. It's a mutation. It's a variant. It's going to spread. In a country that have got triple boosters and are probably even going to go for quadruple, quadruple shots knowing Israel, why shut down the whole country? Why shut down the world from travel to that country or travel mm -hmm. to other countries? Yeah, makes very little sense. In terms of the vaccines for our youth, over 18-year-olds now are able to, sorry, 12 to 18 are now able to get the second Pfizer. So we're very comfortable right. with that. That's something that you've recommended. Very, 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 very comfortable with that. But we do say that a week, uh, and to be very stringent rather uh -huh. than not, a week after you've had your, your booster or your second shot, no exercise, no strenuous activity, just take it easy for a week. You know, I've seen a patient, a 15-year-old with severe myocarditis, both from COVID, not from the booster. And let me tell you, it's, it's not a nice thing to watch in a young kid who's severely ill from a myocarditis. As you said, a myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle, and it can make you very, very sick. So rather be safe than sorry. Wait the seven days. Don't overdo it and then get back to, to back to what you were doing. Have you seen a number of patients that have 
had the booster and uh, under 18 that have had myocarditis or you haven't seen any? So no, so we, we haven't seen, uh, personally, I haven't seen any. As I said, I've seen one who had COVID and got right. myocarditis from the COVID, but right. we haven't seen many who got it. But we do know that even if you do get myocarditis with your second vaccine, the chances of dissolving are extremely high and it does sort of peter out. Right. And what are the symptoms? I mean, how would, how would somebody know if this, is, if this is a concern? So if someone's been doing strenuous exercise, if someone's been overdoing it, and then they start developing within two to three days, chest pain, a tachycardia, which is an increase in the heart rate, palpitations, they need to, to see their, their doctors, right. just to make they'll sure know. that something's word, going on. They'll yeah. know. They won't have to guess this one. Yeah. Right. In terms of five to 12-year-olds? So we're waiting for the for the um, the world bodies to give us the go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, SARPA need to actually go ahead and give us the the, the green light. I don't even know mm. if it's been put to them. I think they're still busy discussing boosters in over the seventy year olds. Um, I don't understand why we're so far behind the curve regarding that. But if you're asking me, would I vaccinate my eight year old? The answer is yes. Not even a question. And that's only because you don't have a five year old. Is that right? A hundred percent. Yeah. If you had a five-year-old, would you vaccinate them? Yes. Okay, so that's... No question. Uh, you, you know, we get this question a lot. A lot of people put questions to me for the podcast to ask Dr. Anton Marburg, and there's always two parts to the question. One part is, this is my situation with regard to my child, and then part two is, what would he do if it was his child? So the one thing I have learned in the way in which to ask these questions with regard to children is to get the information and then ask Dr. Marburg what it would, what, how he would do it. Because I think that is, because that's really, a, it's, a, it's a very big fear for parents, what to do in terms of your own children. It's, these are big decisions, but we're living in a difficult time and we do have to make these difficult decisions. All right. The in terms of in terms of having a holiday, you're away. I'm away. A lot of people are are away. Uh, it's important, I, I would imagine, to take this time. Whether we go back to a more difficult situation or whether it, hopefully, as as you seeing it, the the trajectory becoming more endemic. Either way, it is absolutely vital. I imagine that we have a holiday. How do we do that safely? So I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that everyone needs some sort of breather. It's been a rough two years. People need to go and get the vitamin C, as I always say, at the, at the beach, or people need to just go and get sunlight or just get away from, from the hustle and bustle that we've been living in. It's very easy to do this very safely. You're still going to maintain your social distancing. You can have a great time on the beach, social distancing. You don't have to wear masks. You can sit far enough away from people and speak to them and talk, etc. You can have people outside for dinners as long as it's outside, social distancing. And when you are with people indoors, wear your masks, social distance. It's easy. It's practical. It works. It's not a hard thing to do. Five-year-olds can wear their masks. Seventy-year-olds like you can wear their masks. We know it can be done. Are you having a good holiday? Great holiday. Thank God. It's nice to be away. It's nice to be out of that hustle and bustle, as I've said. And it's just nice to spend quality family time. All right. And I mean, I don't even need to ask you if there's good news because there is so much good news, but I'm sure you've got some for us anyway. So much good news. And there's so many positives, and I'm not talking about cases, just positives of 
of how people are acting and how people are able to act at this point in time. People outside on the roads, people are walking around, people are running around, people are enjoying the summer holiday, the outdoor experience. Keep outdoors as much as possible. Obviously, um, Liverpool are firing a bit of darcy decisions in the game last night. I mean, if you're a Tottenham supporter, you know, you should hang your head in shame, but, you know, you can't even be 10 men. But we're not going to discuss that right now. But I think it's more important to, to quote Jurgen Klopp. I'm actually going to do two quotes today. And the first one is going to be from Jurgen Klopp, where he says, everyone the has a moral obligation to get vaccinated. Philosopher. The philosopher, yes, exactly. Everyone has a moral obligation to get vaccinated to protect others. He says, I won't apologize for my view on vaccination, no matter how unpopular it might be. Listen to the experts, ignore lies and misinformation. And then for my quote, I'd like to say, like a good cup of coffee, three shots of vaccine are better than two. Be safe, look after yourselves, have a great holiday, and take this time just to enjoy the outdoors, try relax, and try not to get bogged over by this whole COVID story. That's absolutely right. If you are celebrating Christmas later this week, we wish you a wonderful, wonderful time of fantastic holiday with your family. I hope it is a time of giving, of peace, of good spirits. Just uh, let's enjoy the time, no matter what you're doing over the next short while. Just spend it with family, friends. Make sure that, as you, uh, as Dr. Anton Mybeck said a little bit earlier, you get your dose of vitamin C, whatever that means to you. Just uh, have a wonderful one and uh, a blessed new year. Have a fantastic week. I'm Howard Feldman. This has been the Sunday Synthesis Podcast on Monday, the holiday edition. Thank you as always, and God bless.